there, and welcome to The Works. I'm Ben Peltier. And I'm Ben Che. Later in this week's show, Jazz from Sweden, as Maria Kvist Quartet East is in our studio to sing the title track from Maria's new CD, Lemon Man. We'll be remaining in Scandinavia to look at the work of Norwegian artist and writer Matthias Faldbakken, and moving way across the world for an exhibition by Indian artist Nandan Gia based on Photoshop transformations. Before the music and visual arts, though, we turn to literary arts. The Hong Kong International Literary Festival ran from October the 5th to the 14th. It included more than 60 events presented by over 30 overseas writers and an equal number of local participants. Among the highlights from two very different backgrounds were Irish author Colm Tobin and mainland Chinese writer Wang Xiaofang, known for his novels that are highly critical of corruption and politics. That's something that the novel does very well, that, say, film doesn't do as well, a drama, where you can get the interior of a person, what they're really thinking, and then how little they're saying of what they're thinking. And that creates an enormous drama, especially if you have a difficult relationship. Cullum Tobin is an Irish novelist, short story writer, essayist and journalist. He was born in the 1950s, shortly after the Republic of Ireland was established. His grandfather and uncle were members of the Irish Republican Army. Irish society, personal identity, family relations and sexuality are major themes in his work. Censorship, um, which was very severe in Ireland, was lifted in about 1966. So I'm 11 then. So when I'm starting to buy books and think about books, everything is available, or more or less everything. I mean, you can't buy Playboy. But if you want a serious book, really that's there. And it came very quickly. Either myself or my sister found a book called The Essential Hemingway. I don't know why. I mean, I really don't, you know. It's a lovely idea, that. You just pick it, think you might like it. And um, it, it had the full text of The Sun Also Rises. And I read it. And it took me years to formulate what it was that mattered in it. And I think what Hemingway invented in prose was an idea, the more you left out, the more you could include. Family is often a focus, but the relationships in books like Mothers and Sons are not conventional, warm and domestic connections. They're about longing, isolation and a sense of disconnection. Mothers and Sons includes nine short stories, all of which have variations on the theme. In the opening story, the protagonist stands on a balcony looking at the empty city. His mother is an alcoholic. It's elemental, that relationship. It's to do with blood, it's so close, and yet they're two distinct people. But one of them made the other one. I mean, I know the man was involved too, but it was different. The woman's body made, you know, and uh, so that that relationship, as it changes, can become, of course, very, very difficult if there are problems, because it should be so close. It was so close. Tobin's a great admirer of the American-born Henry James, author of Portrait of a Lady, who also explores strange family relations. In Henry James, it was that his escape from his family was an essential part of his self-creation. But he never really fell out with them. I mean, it was always writing to them. And feeling he was a member of that family. 
I suppose that idea of that here I am in Hong Kong, but you know that I am a member of a family, and that family, you know, that that idea of being away and close at the same time. Tobin's fifth novel, The Master, is a fictional biography of Henry James, showing him in the final years of the 19th century. It depicts James' emotions as an author and his difficult personal relationships. I think you dream a novel over a long period that, you know, it requires a lot of attention and also requires a lot of inattention. Times when you're not thinking, you're on a train or you're in bed in the morning and another bit of the novel comes to you. So it's a mysterious process, the growth of a novel. Whereas with nonfiction, really, you can say, oh, I need to read another book or interview somebody or find out something. And so it's much more controlled and clear in how it develops and how it proceeds. Henry James alternated between America and Europe for the first 20 years of his life, his works examining culture clashes. Tobin has lived in Barcelona on and off since 1970. He teaches in London, Manchester and the United States. Homage to Barcelona contains essays about the culture, arts and history of the city. Emigration has been part of Irish history since the Great Irish Famine of the 19th century. Is the secret history of Ireland over 150 years um, that um, every family loses somebody? And while, while it involves, of course, um, the person feeling free, they go to another country, they're suddenly all the things that were tying them down are not there anymore. But it does also involve loss. And um, that has happened over 150 years. So that even, no matter what else has happened, that has remained. The sun in Toronto, the sun in New York, the Irish people going to Birmingham or London. And that, that is a part of the society. Tobin's most recent novel, Brooklyn, is about an Irish woman who emigrates to Brooklyn for working opportunity in the 1950s. But what has interested some reviewers even more is a convincing heterosexual sex scene. Tobin, a gay author, said he consulted a woman about the scene. He makes no secret of his own sexuality. There are people who love oppressing other people, and we should make clear to them that, you know, like, it, it won't make you any happier, it won't make you more powerful, it won't make you richer. So that, you know, uh, um, being gay is, feels normal. I mean, I wake up in the morning too. Chinese author Wang Xiaofeng found himself something of an outsider, not due to sexuality, but due to a major corruption scandal. As a result of it, he quit his post as the secretary of Shenyang's deputy mayor, Ma Xiangdong. Then he began writing novels based on his experience in the government. In 2001, Ma Xiangdong was accused and arrested for amassing 31.5 million yuan through bribes and embezzlement. A hundred officials were involved in the scandal, including Shenyang's mayor, Mu Suixin. 
Wang has written around a dozen novels now, one of which, The Civil Servant's Notebook, has been translated into English. It takes place in a fictional province, Dongzhao. Yongzhang. In Wang's book, the five officials become embroiled in the power struggles of two leaders. To gain trust and promotion, one of the deputies takes up the beliefs of the old leader, drinking his own urine, the strengthening one's body and extending one's life. It's a metaphor. Drinking body waste is no different than a government that keeps feeding itself on its own corruption. Wang's books are fictional, even surreal, but they reflect the reality of corruption. He says he sees literature as able to reflect, but not fix, problems that are so deeply rooted in the system. We'll be back after the break. See you then. Welcome back. Norwegian artist Matthias Faldbakken likes to use in his work mass-produced and functional objects that have been drawn on, vandalized, scarred, and crunched up. At the Simon Lee Gallery until the 17th of November, his one-man and one-piece exhibition, Maintenance, focuses on one everyday object. I usually uh, use containers of, of different kinds, like lockers or cans or jugs, jerry cans, plastic bags, uh, things that are usually, you know, containing something. But in, uh, when I use them, them, they don't contain anything. So I use the container as its own content. I'm interested in perhaps searching for where you can find sort of artistic value. And uh, if you think of art as sort of a uh, container of value, then I'm trying to sort of discuss that through these pieces, where the, con the container is turned into its own sort of value or its own content. This uh, particular piece was um, sourced here in, in Shanghai uh, on the internet, so I only saw a picture of it on the internet. And we uh, ordered, it, ordered it, got it carried into the space yesterday, and then um, I have made uh, a line through it with an with angle grinder. Uh, yeah, steel cutter. So I actually sort of draw on the lockers, uh, but at the same time I'm kind of destroying it.
so my creative or productive sort of gesture is also a destructive one. So you can say that I destroy perfectly functioning commodity products uh, and by destroying them I make them into artworks. I make them into uniques, you can say. The idea of modifying found objects continues in an exhibition at the 10 Chancery Lane Gallery that's also ending on the 17th. While Matthias von Bucken distorts objects in his show, in the exhibition Photoshop version 1 and 2, Indian artist Nandan Gia paints over and transforms old studio portrait photographs. It's called Photoshop version 1 and 2. And the idea actually, you know, it was. I was watching a TV news channel and and you know they're they're interviewing the person and they pixelate their face because they want to censor their identity. And this whole, you know, the, the image that was being created, something very organic and something very digital, was this it, it looked like some sort of mutation or some sort of the next level of human evolution. You know, there was a lot of social networking, a lot of blogging. People, you know, putting a lot of stuff online, you know, a lot of images, a lot of things online. And, and so I realized that, yes, I guess this is what, what the 21st century person is, you know, a combination of a few pixels. A vintage image, you know, a vintage photograph look like, you know, seem like this, this quintessential, you know, this sort of an iconography that really, uh, you know, translates that, that my origin into an image. You know what I mean? Like, like for instance, right now I'm wearing wearing a jeans and a shirt, but here you see people in all their traditional costume. You can guess their ethnic origin. So I would like each visitor to get the picture click. So I'm hoping that in the next, after five or ten years, I won't have to use vintage pictures anymore. So I'm I'm creating my own archive of images with this installation. We're delighted to have in the studio four fine jazz musicians, the Maria Kvist Jazz Quartet East, right? Yeah. Uh, that's the lineup here. We have Jack, Linus, Ricard, and Maria Kvist. Uh, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you for having me here. Yes. Uh, and I'd like to begin by asking you, um, how did you get started in, in the world of jazz? You were growing up in Sweden. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and then what happened? Well, I was brought up in a very, very small uh, village in the north of Sweden. and. Uh, well, I did play some classical music and sing with my father and stuff. Um, so I wasn't until, let's say, 19 until uh, I had a teacher who introduced Oscar Peterson for me. Mm. <laughs> and said, well, check this out. And I did. <laughs> now, it's a very rare thing. You, you're a bit of a triple threat in a way. You're yeah. a, a composer, you're yeah. a singer, and you're a jazz pianist. Yeah. Um, that's something that's not all that common, especially these days, I suppose. Yeah. Um, wh what's it like when you uh, when you come into a place and and you're expected to do all of these wear all of these different hats? How do you manage it? Well, I'm used to it, so so I don't <laughs> think that much about it. But but uh, um, it's I just try to do my best in every part of of, of it. So on this your second album, yeah. uh, you do all three. Yeah. Um, and uh, what's it like? Is there a difference between singing a song that you've written? and singing a song that's a jazz standard or written by someone else? Well, of course, if you have written it by yourself, it's maybe you can relate to it in another way. Uh, but if it's a jazz standard who has a lyric or something, you, 
uh, you feel for. I mean, I suppose it's the same in one way, but of course it's, it's nice to be able to do your own music. And when you're singing, um, is, it, is it a very different process that you go through in making that music as opposed to playing the piano? Uh, no, not really, because uh, I, I started singing and play at the same age. I was very young. My father almost forced me to, <laughs> to play with him all the time and sing with him all the time. So I've, I've been doing it, but, but it was, took a while for me to accept that I could do both at the same time as a jazz musician. So yeah. You've already done a couple of shows here in Hong Kong, yeah. and so for folks who have missed those shows, yeah. how can they find out more about you? Well, now, now we're going to China to uh, one show in Penny Black and one in at Keys. So uh, it's going to be in the next few days. In Shenzhen? Yeah, in Shenzhen. Is there a website or are, are your, is your music available on iTunes? Yeah, it's on iTunes, uh, Spotify, I don't know if you have it here, and CD on, and I think Amazon. And uh, yeah, and yeah, that's. <laughs> that's and uh, what's in the pipeline? What, what exciting new projects are coming out? Well, uh, I recorded with my Swedish quartet a new album. It's coming out early next year. So I'm excited to, to see how that will be. <laughs> and what can you tell us about the music you're going to do here in the show tonight? Well, it's, a, it's the title of this album, Lemon Man. And it's, a, it's about love, but it's also a strange kind of love when you're, you could be a bit hurt and you shouldn't expect too much of someone who promise you gold. Let's check it out. Yeah. The night was falling, but I got my tan from the blueberry sky. Got the sun in my face Couldn't see all the signs That it wasn't just grace Thought I had no reason To obey his demand Go if I follow to shadow Thank you. 
winter skin and my living room cold. I left the prince and the dream.